If these balls could talk, they would walk along the bases and into the fields. If these balls could talk with Mark and John. Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk, where each of us brings forth five topics to discuss and the other has no idea what those topics are. My name is Mark Pesci, and with me always is the big guy who's so fly, you can't deny, John Campania. What's going on, John? Hey, Mark. What's going on, man? How was your week? Week's been very busy. Very busy. So I had a filling removed on um, Ooh. Monday. My dentist was all cool about it. He's like, hey, so you have this old thing in there and it's going to vibrate a little bit. So he takes the burr into my, you know, my mouth and does his dentist thing. And all of a sudden my whole head vibrates, man. I thought he was ripping my teeth out. I was just like, what just happened? And I tried, I tried not to like move, but of course I did. And so then he did like 10 more times. So then every time he did it, I moved and I got out of there and I was super stressed out, but he did a good job and my mouth doesn't hurt. So it's fine. I take it. That was your first filling. No, I've had a ton of them. Oh, it was, was such a surprise? Just, this one was weird. <laughs> no, it was really weird. Was it in like a, a, di- like a different spot in your mouth? No, I think it's because they used silver, and it was my oldest oh, filling that was coming out. Gotcha. You had to like dig for gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dwarf. Ooh, like a dwarf. <laughs> I mean, the dentist has this little pickaxe that he takes out. It's like, uh, what are you doing? And just for everybody, Pete's making a pickaxe motion, so I just wanted to let you know that that's amazing. Also with us, and you've already heard him a little bit, is our producer and the assistant to the creative director, Pete Steffen. Huh. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing all right. A little tired, but uh, hanging in there. I think that Stephanie will approve of Pete's new second job. Yes. he's. Just, uh, we're just going to keep adding titles to, to Pete, but it's still going to be less than his wife. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, she will always assistant outrank me. Assistant to the creative director. <laughs> I'll let her know. She'll be pleased. Next, he'll probably be associate uh, creative director or something like that. Yeah, it'll just keep getting lower every time. (laughs) Junior. Junior creative director. (laughs) Coffee person for the creative director. With us today is our special guest, our friend, Amy Warren. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to have you. So let's get to know our friend Amy, shall we? Now, Amy, you've attended the U.S. Open in Flushing, New York for multiple years. How did this tradition start, and do you have a favorite memory? So actually, my parents started buying season tickets to the U.S. Open for the first week years and years ago, and then it kind of transitioned into uh, my mom couldn't really go as much anymore, so then my dad would start to go by himself, and then he started inviting my sister Stacy to come, and I uh, am a teacher, and I am in a district that starts before Labor Day. And as most tennis fans know, the U.S. Open always starts of the week right around right before Labor Day and continues past it. So I started only being able to go for a very short weekend, like that Labor Day weekend is the only time that I can actually go to it. So then my dad actually expanded his season tickets. We wound up getting more seats and I was able to join in on Labor Day weekend. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite times of year, even though I'm not a huge tennis fan or follower for the rest of the time. I will say my favorite memory is by far, hands down, I was at the Del Potro uh, Del Potro match where he was, I think he had the flu or something. Like he just 
completely tanked while he was playing and all of a sudden he looks like he's dying on the court and everyone's trying to figure it out and it looks like he had the flu or something and then he fought back and came back and won three sets and whole place was going nuts and I still remember my dad saying to me now that's how you become a tennis fan and then that just hooked me for (laughs) for the remainder (laughs) so guys honestly I know nothing about professional tennis besides Andre Agassi was pretty cool and really old, long time ago. I mean, yes, right, exactly. <laughs> it, you just age you... yourself how many years? I am very old. <laughs> Aren't we all? We're all around the same age. So. Yeah, that's true. Hey, there's Serena Williams. She's still awesome. She's in TV commercials now. Tennis is one of those those sports, I think, that when you watch it in person, it's it becomes it, you you become a fanatic. I think it's mm. believe it or not. It's while it's it could be in a giant stadium like Arthur Ashe. It's kind of an intimate setting. I think because you you are pretty almost sitting like right on top of the players while they're playing. It's it's there's so many emotions that go back and forth over an entire match, and it's amazing. Like so, I I went to Wimbledon for the first time this year, and I also went to the U.S. Open. Funny enough, though, not on the same day that that Amy went. Unfortunately, there was this one guy that we saw at Wimbledon. Uh, his name is Cameron Norrie. He is actually a Brit. And the people at Wimbledon loved him. They cheered for him all the time. People in Wimbledon will, and any of the Englishmen, they they go fanatic over. When we went to the U.S. Open, we we saw that we could watch his match. So we went over to his match. He was playing at the grandstand. And we started doing some of the cheers that they were doing at Wimbledon. And I swear, he looked right at us while we did those cheers. Huh. And, and he pretty sure he recognized me. You loud, crazy yanks. Exactly. Uh-huh. It was so fun. And gosh, I'm such a, a, a hooked on tennis now. I, my friend wants me to be her, her mixed doubles partner. So there you go. Mark, huh? I think I'm going to have to put on the website the uh, the picture of you guys with your fancy umbrellas at the, you the tennis match over the summer. That's a I'll really send, good I'll, picture. I'll send that to you. Tennis is definitely something worth watching in person, even if you're not somebody who likes it on TV. Absolutely. Do they all grunt so loud? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And then if you're an adult, you can watch them pick his butt every five seconds. (laughs) That's that's uh so i also i don't follow tennis on a regular basis so i go to these matches and my dad and my sister go every day for the week and i will walk in on the weekend and be like okay who are we rooting for and half the time we're picking it off of their attitude off of their clothes oh we don't like their outfit so we're not going for that one i mean it's like the dumbest reasons but gives you a reason to root for somebody or root against and nadal i mean nice guy but he just picks his butt every five seconds (laughs) (laughs) that's how my sisters used to pick the horses at the racetrack by which horse picked its butt more which like which horse had the most oh, active had tail or oh. which horse had like the best hairdo in its mane like all rare very complex reasons to, to handicap horses. you were the one that told me like the one that takes the biggest dump before the race is the one that you should pick right that is a really actually a very good point make some lighter hey hmm. nobody said you had to have a good reason for why you root for something you just need a reason to root that's, that's all. right yeah i'd imagine seeing tennis live would be like you probably don't appreciate how athletic these people are and just how amazing their skill are unless you see it in person. Pete, you need to go sometime and Mm -hmm. then sit on the end, but look at the sidelines. And obviously these people, you know, with this is a a podcast of no seeing, but you just see Mm -hmm. everyone's heads turning left (laughs) and right. My neck hurt after watching one of the matches. Because we were yeah. standing right, pretty much right by the net, so we yeah we kept going side to side, <laughs> and by the end, Mike, why does my neck hurt so much? 
My dad's seats, thankfully, and obviously on purpose, because my dad is very good about picking his seats in stadiums, mm. was purposely chosen to be at the corner so that that way you don't have that issue of going back and forth. So you definitely recommend an end seat for Yes. Dad. Okay. Sweet. So let's keep up Amy's sports memories and her season ticket holder to ship. Amy, you've been a longtime New York Yankees season ticket holder. And from what I know, this is allowed for a lot of cool things. But I think the best things that um, we've seen in the pictures of your Yankee season ticket holders are the meet and greets on the field with the team. What's your best Yankee fan experience? And guys, for everyone's sake, Amy is the biggest Yankee fan I know, more than me even. Well, that's a big title. That's a lot of pressure to uphold to. Yeah. Um, I am a big fan. We've been Yankee season ticket holders for quite a bit now. Uh, as far as the meet and greet you were talking about, so for those that don't understand, they started a couple of years ago. Well, a couple of years before COVID, I should say. They started doing it where season ticket holders could come in on the warning track. And they did what they called a photo day. And the first year it was... A little iffy. I think they were a little nervous about how were the fans going to be when they were that close to the players and everything and how are they going to react. So they had a whole rope and everything that you can't go past. And I would say a lot of the players were actually very standoffish, except for Nick Swisher. If you're a Nick Swisher fan and just his bubbly personality, very extrovert. He definitely and seems like that kind of guy. Love me some Nick Swisher. He 100% was. He stepped over the rope. He's holding babies. He's hugging people, <laughs> taking selfies with you, all about making the pictures and everything exactly what you wanted. But he was the only one. So I would say after the first year, we're like, if this is how it's going to be, I'm not quite sure. And then the next year we were, um, I believe it was the next year, or maybe it was two years after that. I've been to quite a few. I'm very fortunate. I would say my favorite part of the meet and greet was when I got to meet my, one of my heroes, Mariano Rivera. And that oh, was that's so for cool. me. I mean, my dog, one of my dogs is named after him. Uh, so he's a big deal. I absolutely love him. So meeting him was pretty neat. But then it just kind of developed over the years and you really got to meet some of these players. And some are very hard to get close to because so many people, you know, like Aaron Judge, I got to meet him. I do am fortunate enough to have a picture with him, and he is huge. That's Six. what I was going to ask you. Is he yeah. as big as he seems? He is 100% as big as he seems. If I showed you the picture of my mom next to him, I am not excessively tall. I am five foot nine, which does tend to be somewhat taller for a female, but he is, what, six foot eight, I think he so is? big boy. And he is mom. huge. And the picture of my mom next to him, I swear she barely comes up to his belly button. Like, it is just ridiculous how big he is. But I do remember the first time I met him. I always say that tall people should play volleyball because I'm also a volleyball coach. And it bothers me when I see these really tall people that don't play volleyball. And my father said to him that it was a waste of height, that he should be playing volleyball and not baseball. <laughs> He's probably making a little bit more money in baseball. He's just... making Now he's making the most money, Pete. Oh, yes. oh the, this is Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit more. Yeah, so yeah. six seven two eighty two for anybody who's curious. Yeah, and he is does feel that big in person, but really mm. really nice guy. Um, you know, a lot of the players were just very accepting of meeting people and very willing to take pictures. One of our favorites was I don't know if you all of you are aware of Adam Warren used to be uh, one of the Yankee players. He was a pitcher. When we met him, we told him, we're the Warrens, we're the Warrens. Like we're, huh. you're like our funny. long distance That's cousin. Funny. And so we had to nice. take a family photo. And... That's amazing. And he was down for that? 100%. He was like, this is fantastic. Ah, oh, that's, that's so cool. 
so actually upstairs in my loft, I have a, a pool table in my pool room and I have all Yankee memorabilia around the walls. And I've got our family photo with Adam Warren that will always stay near and dear. <laughs> See, I know how tall I would be compared to Aaron Judge because Jose Altuve from the Astros is about my height. And there were many, five many... Foot six or something? Five foot right? six, yeah. And there yeah. are many pictures of Altuve waiting around with Aaron Judge on second base. So. Yeah. <laughs> you should look th- I, I'm not sure if Pete has seen that picture I'm sure Mark and Amy have but that is a funny funny picture because he is yeah. much taller than that and they're both you know all-star professional baseball players and Altuve might be listed at 5'6 so he might even be in actuality a lot shorter yeah I bet you he, never is. Know. he looks very tiny you know guys like to enhance their height a little bit when I ask my my male high school players about what their height is they're always like well five five ten but like more like five eleven if i'm sneakers and that's amazing oh my god i'm i'm looking at it right now and it i swear to god it just reminds me of like the hobbit movies where they did like the forced perspective isn't that a fun isn't that a funny picture it's just so weird like aaron judge just looks like the same proportions just larger it's aggressive it looks fake but it's it's weird Wow, that just shows you the range of athletes that can play the sport. Holy cow. Well, All right. second, second basemen are scrappy, so generally. All right, our final question to Amy. Amy, you've mentioned this a little bit more. You are a teacher, and you also coach uh, volleyball. You are the head coach of your school's boys' vars- varsity team and an assistant on the girls' varsity team. So please share with us the stress of coaching in high school athletics and possibly the best or worst part about it. I will say that girls volleyball and boys volleyball are very different. There's a lot of great things about coaching high school athletes. A lot of them, they care a lot. They're very invested in it. One big difference between the two, I helped start our boys varsity volleyball team uh, 12 years ago. So I've been, I always call that program my baby. I've been with that program the entire time. And I was not the head coach. I've only been the head coach for the last four or five years now. Starting that program, trying to build it up from literally absolutely nothing is very interesting. Whereas with the girls program, you tend to have a lot of girls that already play volleyball. I think that stereotypically volleyball is considered a female sport, uh, especially in the district that I work in. Um, It really took some convincing of people to understand that boys volleyball was a real sport and not really a sissy sport something that you should actually play. I would say that some of the best things about coaching high schoolers, it's just, they're always just so much fun and willing to learn and they just want to put their absolute best effort all the time. And they just, they're funny. I got a bunch of knuckleheads, I call them all the time. They're just (laughs) constantly joking and they just, they don't have that stress of, you know, they're very carefree and just wanting to play and have fun. And I think that's what it should be about, which is nice to see with kids. Some of the more difficult parts, you know, it's um, very mental sport. A lot of sports are. Volleyball does tend to be one of the higher mental sports. And I would say that one of the biggest challenges of coaching high schoolers is trying to teach them to be mentally tough. And that is a very difficult thing to do with high schoolers in general. I can Amy's, Amy's being modest. Her team, while they didn't win, were in the, uh, I don't know if it was a finals or a state championships, but they were in the championship this past season. Nice. Well, if oh. I'm going to brag at all. so <laughs> I mean, I want you to brag. That's cool. Two seasons ago, it was actually pretty cool. Well, what I'm about to say was not cool, but what happened was, so our star player got injured in our fifth game of the season. And I seriously thought I was set up for greatness with one of the top players in the state. And he ended up breaking his leg 
huge oh. uh, it was just uh the videos and everything while playing uh yes while playing oh. i will still say i've been coaching for 19 years now and that game was the most exhilarating and best and also worst game i've ever coached in my entire career of all the sports i've ever coached and we ended up winning we fought back and we won and we for the very first time in program history went to the conference finals and how i did it with those guys without what was considered to be our star player was absolutely phenomenal. And then last season, we ended up going to the state finals, which was just, I mean, that's so super cool. Awesome. Wow. So like you said, John, unfortunately we didn't win, but just, I really do say that just bringing the program to that level was just something new. Well, you're talking, bringing the program from nothing to a, yeah. almost a state champion. I mean, that's really incredible. Yeah, hopefully we can do it again this year and, and get the win this time. But it was definitely an honor just to have made it that far. And I was really proud of the guy. Who's going to play you in the TV show? High school sports TV shows are the new rad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who could play me. Yeah, it'd be good. Take uh, Jennifer Aniston can play me. There you go. There Meryl, we go. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Can, she can do anything. I'm not that old. Come on. <laughs> we got, we got, she can just play anything. We'll, we'll digitally de-age her to match her. Oh, I like it. I like it. Doesn't need to. I'm She's timeless. It. She's I'm timeless. See, that's Jennifer Aniston's timeless, right? I think so. That is true. She is. She still looks the same. I know. She just gets prettier every year. Thank you for answering our questions, Amy. Let's say we get started now. Are you ready, John? Hell yeah. Hello, love. It's time for the first topic. So the term Mr. Irrelevant, for those that don't know, pertains to the last pick of each year's NFL draft and has been used since 1976, according to the Sporting News and multiple other sources. Now, believe it or not, there is an actual prize associated with this term, including a trip to Disneyland and a dinner in their honor with a Heisman-like trophy given to them at that dinner. Now, last year's Mr. Irrelevant was Brock Purdy, who recently made news by being a halfway decent quarterback for the 49ers. In fact, he is playing right now as we speak, as, as we record this, uh, this episode. So, John, what are your thoughts on Brock Purdy, and should we get rid of the term Mr. Irrelevant? I think that he has a very interesting opportunity because while Jimmy G isn't the best quarterback in the world, that was pretty much his job. I think that the 49ers program is incredibly interesting with the addition of Christian McCaffrey. We were just talking about George Kittle with George Kittle. They always say, right? being drafted is better than not being drafted so i think that 22 years old he's a professional athlete and he's playing on a world stage i think he has a real chance now i'm not going to say after one great performance against a mediocre team is he the next best thing no i mean that would be naive to think that he is all of a sudden going to be some great quarterback but he definitely has a chance to prove himself it, it was amazing to me so last week in the when they were facing the buccaneers they were facing against tom brady uh i mean going again that first of all that matchup it was incredible the age difference between quarterbacks you had a 23 year age difference i believe it was which is by far the the, the widest gap between starting quarterbacks in in history uh, they had a moment at the end of the first half where they could have easily have just, you know, down the ball or ran the ball just to get go into this, uh, the second half. And what they did was they essentially called a vertical and Brock Purdy just threw in the, to close to the end zone and they scored a touchdown like right before the half. And you will, you don't usually do that for rookie quarterbacks, especially this was his first career start. 
his second career NFL game, and he was quote unquote Mister Irrelevant. So, and those guys usually don't don't pan out well in the NFL. But it's it's amazing how much faith they have in this guy. Never mind that he's Mister Irrelevant. He's just a seventh round quarterback. The defense just had so many good things to say about him beforehand, and uh, apparently they were all true. There are a lot of articles talking about how Purdy was. The, the quote that I'm looking at right now is he had he looked like he had some dog in him. And I mean, you think about it, you're 22, this is your first start in the NFL, and all of a sudden you're playing against maybe the best quarterback that ever lived. But also, it would be short-sighted for Purdy to not look at Tom Brady in the beginning of Tom Brady's career, that guy in the weird gym shorts, and not think that he had some sort of relationship to him. Maybe Tom Brady and I are some spirit animal. And for Purdy to be starting and playing well after Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo went down in this season just filled with injuries is really interesting. He really has a chance. This Thursday night football game, you guys are going to listen to this on Sunday. It's 21-3 in the third. They're winning by a lot and he looks great again. He couldn't have been on a better team, I think, for this, too. Just the weapons around him and the coaching, too. Like, Kyle Shanahan's done this a long time. He knows how to make a rookie not look like a rookie. I think that's what's happening here. Well, I also read that he's perfect for Shanahan's system. Just the way he plays, the kind of quarterback that he is. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious when you look at it. So let's say that Brock Purdy does a pretty good job this year. <laughs> they have Trey Lance still. Jimmy G, they, they signed a one-year deal, more than likely... If Brock Purdy does well, Jimmy G is gone next year. Yes, for but sure. they still have Trey Lance, and they spent a lot of first-round draft picks on Trey Lance to get him. So what do they do with Trey Lance? To be honest, I don't know. Trey Lance is a commodity, but if you guys remember back in the beginning of the season, Trey Lance didn't really look that good. No, and he's had very little, never mind just NFL experience, just overall football experience. He didn't have that long of a college career, and he's he's been hurt this year. He barely played last year. I mean, he, he, he has not had the reps. And I mean, while Brock Purdy wasn't picked early in the draft, he's still Iowa State's all-time wins leader. He still set a ton of records playing college football. He's still an All-American. I'm going to make a very outlandish statement right now. This 49ers team reminds me of the team that Tom Brady took over in 2001. Hmm. That like had really every... good defense, had a pretty good running game, a quarterback that's not afraid to take chances every now and again. Yeah. They're dangerous. I wouldn't want to play them. Everybody likes momentum in professional sports. So what do we think about the term Mr. Relevant? <laughs> I still think it's pretty funny. I think that traditions are important in sports. I think that a lot of sports are driven by traditions. And so they should continue to keep doing that. I mean, there's tons of athletes that come out of college that don't get drafted. At least he got drafted. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. And there's a lot of the, he made an uh, an NFL roster. There's a lot of mm -hmm. there's a lot of draft picks that don't do that. I want to quickly rattle off four other Mr. Relevance that, uh, of which are going to probably cause some uh, ring up some kind of uh, memory for any of us. Uh, the very first one to ever make a Super Bowl was Marty Moore. He, he was Mr. Relevant in 1994. He played for the Patriots. Jim Finn, in 1999, he was the fullback for Tiki Barber, Ooh. and they won Super Bowl 42. And a current New York Giant, Tay Crowder, he was Mr. Irrelevant in 2020. I like he, Tay Crowder. And mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a currently a middle linebacker for the Giants. Nice. And the most famous Mr. Irrelevant, believe it or not, Ryan Suckup. Oh, yeah. 
the kicker, right? In 2009, he was Mr. Irrelevant, and he actually finished his rookie season with the highest field goal percentage in the season ever. Wow. Look at that. So then I think those players almost wear it as a chip on their shoulder and almost like a badge of honor, like, hey, you know what? Mr. Irrelevant, I'll show you. Next topic it is. So, Mark, we're going to keep it with the 49ers. Uh, This past weekend, 49ers star wide receiver Debo Samuel issued an apology on Twitter. He said, my apologies for stepping over the camera guy. Definitely didn't realize I did until watching the tape. Was just in the moment. My apologies, my guy. And so I was curious about this, and I watched this YouTube clip. He took this guy out, like full bore, took him out, and then stepped over him, scored the touchdown, stepped over him to celebrate with his fans. So my question, I guess, is, Mark, do you think that he meant that apology or was it a PR reaction to an obviously careless act? I don't really know much about Debo Samuel personally, but I I would take him for what it's worth. I actually, you you see it happen all the time that these, uh, the the cameramen and the people holding the microphones on on the sidelines or the uh they they get they get run over all the time and you know it's it's their job to be where they are so they're it's it it makes sense that it happens all the time so he told me a funny story this season uh stefan Diggs took some guy out and picked him up he was worried about him concerned even and and i think most football players are definitely are like they they definitely don't want to see any harm to any of the people on the sidelines that are especially considering they're not in pads they're just they're doing their job just like everyone else they might not be as athletic as you are they might not be as athletic as as they are uh and after scoring a touchdown i mean what's the first the first thing that you think of after scoring a touchdown is you want to celebrate that touchdown you're not really thinking about anything else that's going on and if you're a football player if so if someone's all over you that's not on your team you're probably just your first reaction to that is you need to get off me right now so <laughs> i did so just I, watch it actually and it it yeah it, yeah i mean he he bowled the guy over he probably it's should have checked, really but... aggressive <laughs> When he stepped over, I don't think he. It just looked like maybe the end of his legs. So it's he not didn't like even he like see, he didn't even see the guy. No, the ones but, the ones I feel the worst for are the ones that are holding those satellite microphones on the sidelines because yes. they're right up on the side and there's they have no time to react or anything like that. And what are they going to do? Drop the microphone? No, they probably get fired for that. Yeah. <laughs> what are you guys' feelings on end zone celebrations in general? They're no, they're no harm. It's it's a it's a time for them to react and to celebrate as a team. The ones that are disrespectful probably should go away. Like you know, Randy Moss mooning in the in the end zone and <laughs> and uh, ter- I, the the my, one of my favorites was Terrell Owens though grabbed the sharpie. Uh, from uh, somewhere in his uh, his uniform, he signed the the uh, the football right then and there. Did you guys huh. see the one Alexander Madison did a couple last week or the week before, where he, he he acted like he pulled a hammy and then he like got down on the ground and twerked. He got fined for that. He did oh. get fined for that. I think it's a shame that nowadays with all of the everybody gets a trophy, nobody's allowed to celebrate anymore. Like, I don't like mm. the fact that nobody can celebrate. And when I tell my students and my athletes all the time, you're allowed to celebrate. You won. You earned it. You should absolutely be allowed to celebrate. But there's a difference between celebrating something that doing it in a way where you're actually celebrating and being excited for yourself as opposed to taunting towards the other team. So I say more celebration, the better, as long as it's for the good of your team and towards yourself and not taunting to make others feel worse. I think that's a really good point, honestly. And 
to be in this time, right, where everything's shared and everything's on social media, and I saw that thing on three different services, right? That thing was all over Twitter. It was all over YouTube. It was funny. And all the really funny ones a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago where the whole offensive line got behind the guy and he acted like he was rowing a boat. I mean, that stuff works on social media. It advertises the NFL. It advertises the team. It makes football fun. And I think that is cool. Um, there probably should be limits. Obviously, you can't do anything inappropriate. You probably shouldn't be taunting to the other team. But just celebrating an achievement, that's cool. Amy's right, though. There's a clear difference between celebrating and taunting, and it's it, you're right. It there's they should be allowed to celebrate. I'm very glad the NFL a few years ago did allow for team celebrations because for a while they they didn't do that. You were only you were only allowed to celebrate by yourself. I mean, how fun is that? My favorite thing with the team defense celebrations are like the big jumbotron thing where they all go and like pose for a picture. <laughs> Those are the best because yeah, because they. The, the, a, I love how the fact that they practice them, but B, <laughs> like they don't get there that often. So this right. is this is like their shining moment. I actually have one of the games I play in my football unit with my students where I give them because obviously we can't kick a field goal. So I teach them that football is touchdown six points. And then I tell them if they do a really creative touchdown dance, then I give them the extra point. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Anybody want a next topic? So we mentioned this a little bit before. We grew up with phenomenal American tennis players like Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras, Jim Courier, Michael Chang on the men's side. And on the women's side, we've had Monica Seles, Jennifer Capriotti, Venus Williams, and who most perceive as a GOAT, Serena Williams. Now, currently, the highest-ranked American man is 25-year-old Taylor Fritz at number nine. But his best major finish was the quarterfinals at this past Wimbledon. And the highest ranked woman, American woman, is 28-year-old Jessica Pagula at number three, with her best finish at a major being the quarterfinals of three of this past year's four majors. The last American man to win a major was in 2003 with Andy Roddick at the U.S. Open. And the last American woman was Sophia Keenan at the 2020 Australian Open. So, John... Do we feel that American dominance of tennis has dissipated? So I said this in the open. I, unfortunately, don't know a ton about tennis. However, I have opinions about everything, as you guys have probably already come to know. And I think American athletes, especially we're talking about high school athletes, some high school athletes, they choose the thing that they focus on. We don't have any... Deion Sanders is or Jordan's anymore play everything. I think the people who do play everything, Aaron Judge played football, they choose something that will get them paid, that will get them something that really speaks to them. I don't know for a fact, but I don't think tennis's popularity in the U.S. just doesn't seem that high. It's waned a lot. It's waned a lot because we and it's what you said, right? We don't have the the Andre Agassiz who were going up against the line judge and the Pete Sampras's who are, you know, the golden boy of tennis. We don't have these great international tennis players that are making a big wave. Like the only thing I know, um, um, we're watching Never Have I Ever, Mel and I. And so um, there is a tennis player who I am going to look up who is the narrator for that, right? And so tennis players, tennis superstars, there's no glitz and glamour anymore, right? So one tennis player, we we mentioned a little earlier that I, I went and watched the U.S. Open this past summer. One 
tennis player that we fell in love with was Francis Tiafo. He is the guy that actually beat Nadal in the U.S. Open this past year. Okay. And he has so much personality. Like, it's, he, it's infectious when you're in the crowd, but it comes through watching him on television as well. Like, he is... We, we you can it's it's impossible not to fall in love with this guy. Currently, he's ranked number nineteen in in the world. Uh, he's not the highest uh, American, as as I said before. That's Taylor Fritz, but uh, he he's a guy. If he starts, he beat Nadal. Now Nadal's a little bit older, but he he beat one of the greatest tennis players that have ever lived. And I, I, like I said, his his personality is just infectious. If he gets it going, he's he's twenty four right now. If he gets it going, I think he has a good chance of bringing more Americans to watching tennis again. And so my flood before guys, John McEnroe was the, uh, the narrator of Never Have I Ever, and is hilarious on it, by the way. Oh, and yeah, he's great. I just read an article that's found his name that he didn't even know who Mindy Kaling was when he took the job, so that's interesting. The McEnroe's and the Agassiz and the Serena Will- and Venus Williams, right? These American tennis players with these big personalities. I mean, I think that's what it needs. It needs to be more rock and roll and less country club. Amy, honestly. since you know you know a lot about tennis, like what do you feel like there's anybody like that that could be a thing or maybe we're forgetting someone? No, and I think with Serena Williams retiring right now, that's the last big name. I'll tell you that talking to some of my middle school students about the U.S. Open, a lot of them have never really heard of any players except for her. I mean, granted, I teach middle school, so they're not going to remember some of the older names that we know. But I think that is the problem. We don't really have that celebrity. Tennis has a certain type of etiquette. And I don't think that the way that kids are growing up these days, it's more about the showboating and that sort of stuff. And you don't get that in tennis, which doesn't draw as much attention then to it, which is why I think you're probably not getting as many people who want to play it. That is an excellent point. But golf also kind of has that etiquette as well. But that's still a very popular sport in this country. Mostly it has to do with Tiger Woods, who is still kind of active with, high school, swag in the with high school kids though absolutely i mean yeah. i will say in the town that i teach and coach in um our high schoolers have a tremendous boys and girls golf team they win their championships quite a bit so they are pretty big but i also work in a pretty affluent area so i think that also kind of depends on where you live well let's be honest golf is a uh a certain sport and tennis for that matter it's a rich man's sport <laughs> yeah, it's very good Tiger got my brother to play in high school for golf, for sure. There you know. go. So there you go. Pete's brother is a hell of a golfer, you guys. Oh, yeah, but I've seen him, like, slam, chuck his club, or, like, one time he swung so hard because he was frustrated that it swung back around and hit him in his own leg. Eric Steffen gets mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he golfs. It's, Especially it's... on the golf course. Oh, I've seen God. it. Yep. He's so good, but his easy. inner rage comes out when he golfs. <laughs> it's great. Eric's rock and roll golfer, you guys. I, yeah, I think that's also what makes him like a really good drummer is the fact that he probably gets all, all his aggression when he's drumming. Oh, he does. Now I'm going to have to make him listen to this podcast. Yeah, you are. Because his brother on being on it wasn't reason enough. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about you, man. And his cousin last week. That's right. Maybe we'll just have your whole entire family on before Eric. Next topic. 
So for listeners of the podcast, we know that Mark might not be so great at the pop culture portion of this. So we're going to ask Mark a pop culture question <laughs> since he asked me a tennis question. Uh, so along with a lot of people across the world, my family and I, we just binged Wednesday on Netflix. Wednesday now is the number three most watched show ever in any language behind Stranger Things and Squid Game. In 19 days, you guys, Wednesday's racked up over a billion total hours of viewing, which is more than Bridgerton racked up in twice that much time. Wednesday, as you can assume, is about Wednesday Adams and her time at a boarding school away from her well-known family. And so, as of last week, Mark, you weren't watching Wednesday. Did you get to it? No. Right. <laughs> All right, so, next topic. So, how, no. How to, how to evolve a Netflix account. So we're going to ask Amy, and this is the reason I asked this question. Amy, why did we like Wednesday so much? So my students, actually, the reason I started watching it, I hadn't even heard of it. One of my seventh graders started talking about it, and I promised I would watch it. Ten minutes in, I knew that it was going to be a good show. I, I like to describe it as a quirky Harry Potter. It's got that. I like it. It's got that really, really dry sense of humor and that, you know, kind of dark humor of, uh, of Adam's family that those that have watched it know and love. But it's also got that kind of wizardry kind of fantasy type stuff that Harry Potter brings. And I'm a big Harry Potter fan as well. So I like the fact that it brings those two together. The casting was amazing. I think they perfectly casted everything. The writing is just so clever. They're just, you feel like you're right there with them when you're watching it. I, what I thought. I enjoyed Jenny Ortega's Wednesday Adams so, so much. Her confidence, her not giving an F. Her, she is amazing. Her, she was hilarious. She was just so, so good. And I turned to Mel. Mel's my wife, you guys, if you don't remember. And uh, I was like, this this woman's going to be famous. Like, really famous. And what's interesting about Jenny Ortega is she's 5'1", so she wears these big platform sneakers, which apparently are popular now. Mm. And um, she's still shorter than everyone. And she just walks around, and she just she literally owned every single scene. Try putting her next to Aaron Judge. Oh, oh yeah. snap. Oh, she could fit in Aaron Judge's pocket, I'm guessing. So we're going to ask a follow-up question since Mark doesn't have Netflix for some reason. Mark, what's your current favorite show? My current favorite show? Uh, I just... Uh, Welcome to Wrexham was a really good one, I thought. Just being able to see you know, Rob McElhaney and, and Ryan Reynolds, I think, like as their natural selves. For the most part, they... they what what especially ryan reynolds what you see on camera is uh in his movies and whatever like that is like ryan reynolds in real life but watching uh th that that whole show i thought was really well done and uh, i mean it, it made me want to you know wa follow the wrexham team and it made me wanted to, to to watch soccer a little more as well it got me excited about the world cup uh so i i really enjoyed that show i think i'll watch Ro ryan reynolds ride a bike He's a funny man. Probably, I might, I might, watch, I might wa watch Ryan Reynolds take a crap. I'm, I'm sure that would probably be very entertaining as well. <laughs> I'm sure there's a market, and maybe his OnlyFans account has that on there. Maybe. Get South Africa. Ryan Reynolds needs an OnlyFans. We get a call from his lawyers on Sunday. Right. Can you please oh. cease and desist talking about Ryan Reynolds' poops? And, 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 and of course, come on, who's looking forward to Deadpool 3 with Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman? Come on. I love oh, yeah. the Deadpool movies. So good. Yeah, I, I was kind of mad about it until he somehow strangled Hugh Jackman out of retirement. And now I'm super excited. Have you guys been following their 
social media wars oh, the for like yeah. five years. I think they're just friends, and he really enjoys it. Oh, they oh, both yeah. they both enjoy just busting each other's chops on on social media. It's yeah. it is it is amazing. I think I would be so disappointed if I met Ryan Reynolds and he was not as awesome as I would imagine him to be. That would be so devastating. But at least then you could have Blake Lively. Ever meet your heroes. I know I'd be afraid to because I'm like you. I'm right there with you guys. I could watch anything with Ryan Reynolds in it. Um, I don't know if I'd go quite as far as to wanting to watch him poop, but <laughs> um, I mean his movies. I'm a big fan, and I just love interviews with him. He just seems like the most down to earth guy, and I would be so devastated if he wasn't really like that. Oh yeah, I or think his, his poop don't really very think. funny. Come on. <laughs> I'm I'm sure that Blake would probably tell you that his do I, I like that she keeps him down to earth too they're they on have, their like seventh child right pete are they really oh my gosh did you see oh, all the social so media from the past year of his reaction to her gala dress no <laughs> oh that was a huge thing i mean i don't even follow the news on social media stuff and that was big for her big reveal at the the met of her dress and Mark, you're shaking your head. I think you remember it, right? Well, it, it's it's amazing to me. Like there are some of those Hollywood couples that you can just tell that they're just still in love. I mean, they might be putting on a show and whatnot, but with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, they it, that that really seems like a very genuine couple. And the fact that they're just so in love with each other, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt too. I love the two of them. Oh yeah, I love that they met during one of the most terrifying horror movies I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Were they not together before that? No, they met on Quiet Place 1. Oh, wow. Of course, this is like you're a little break here, but, you know, I saw the news about Twitch yesterday. and Oh, that's so, so sad. But, Mark, I will tell you that Allison and Twitch were... I don't follow a lot of celebrity couples online, but they are one that I follow their socials so much. Yes. They are... They, I watch the two of them and I just think what an awesome marriage they have and yes. what a great family. And then to have what happened yesterday. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I look at them and think they had the world's greatest marriage. They just looked like they were so in love. That's so sad what happened to him. And, uh, you know, I, I, t t I mean, we, you want to be respectful and, and, and whatnot, but I, I really kind of want to know, like, why did he do it? I know you were, really or, or like maybe that. not why did he do it, but what happened? Yeah. I don't necessarily want to speculate that he. I mean, depression. Definitely, happened. yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to jump to any conclusions or anything I like think that. But the problem for a lot of celebrities is that maybe they're not bipolar, but they're some sort of thing like that. Because to be as extroverted, I think, as they have to be, that you have to have a moment where you feel the real the reality of life. So, as a major extrovert. And this is the thing that has hit me about it. As a major extrovert who has an Italian mother who tells me how great my life is and not to be sad, sometimes I'm sad. And you're allowed to be. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I'm allowed to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's hard because, you know, you're also, you know, smart and an adult and you're just like, but everything's going great. Why am I sad? What's wrong with me? And I think that's a struggle that a lot of people have and that i i really um empathize with this situation because i have a beautiful family and i have a great life and i'm healthy and i've got a great friends and sometimes the world feels really hard yeah i'm i'm 90 sure twitch was not one of like he's not like you he's not he wasn't a natural extrovert 
he like just the the stuff that being on the Ellen show and I mean he really only talked ever talked to Ellen uh and the fa I mean and the fact that he was a dancer uh you know a lot of artists are you know like they're they they really just they they just want to stay to themselves and 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 whatnot um he seemed like a very generally nice guy but uh I I got I mean I wouldn't be surprised if the end of the Ellen show had something in, to to do with what was going on with his mental state, but uh, it's it, it's just you're like you said, Amy. It's just so sad. I mean, yeah, I think that's with anybody with anything in life, though. That when you have to do one thing so much, when you get a chance not to, it's like a almost a sigh of relief to just have that break. You know, I'm a I just obviously not nearly as serious, but I'm a phys ed teacher. I'm naturally active all the time. So many people assume that I want to then be active outside of teaching. I'm the opposite half the time. Like I just want to sit on my couch and do nothing because mm. I'm just constant all the time. So to have to be so extroverted and high personality and funny and, you know, talking all the time, it's got to be exhausting to then take back and be able to have a minute where you don't have to put on for everybody. Yeah, my inter my internet just glitched, you guys. I was wondering oh, yeah. what just happened. I saw my peripheral something glitched. Yeah, that's a good point, Amy. Though I think like a lot of times the most outgoing people, it not that it's a front, but it's just that like those can be the most tortured. You don't know scenes. everything that's going on with someone. You really don't. That's another reason why like, uh, we're getting off on a super tangent right now. But that's like why I'm people super all of this, why, why way, people can be so mean to other people and can, they don't know the full story and, and whatnot. I mean, oh, yeah, I had a, a badminton tournament I was just doing the other day and I had these two boys on one side of the net, eighth grade students. And I could see they were kind of smirking at this other kid on the other side who they were playing against, who was getting very excited about the points. And I went over and had a little talk with them and I just said, you know, I get it that you don't care quite as much as, as this kid does, but just think for a second, you don't know why he's so excited. He could have had the worst night last night, and this is finally bringing him some joy. So why does it matter if you don't care quite as much as he does? Just let him be. Like, let that be his moment because this is making him happy. Why is that a bad thing? Why do we have to make fun of that? That's really great, Amy. Yeah, I like that. I, I, love, I love it when other people see others others perspectives you, you you're only you only you only know what you know but if you think that that is the all that's going on in the world then you're totally wrong you need to you need to be able to see the world in other people's shoes sometimes yeah unfortunately with social media and the way that everybody knows everything yeah. about everything now yeah, yeah. it's and so hard to my god to i couldn't they know everything i couldn't be in middle school in I, it's, 2022 it's it's really, really tough. I definitely work with a really hard age, but it's just the way that the world is now with social media is everyone needs to know everything and everything. everyone needs to know everything instantly. And nobody can mind their own business anymore. And, it's, and just accept things for what they are and understand that it doesn't have to be a certain way. And that's social media has kind of brought that. So it's unfortunate in a lot of ways. Well, until we love social media, it's bringing us this wonderful podcast, you know? Hey. <laughs> I remember, and I think everybody remembers that middle school was hard, but for me, middle school was hard, but I always could go home and just not be in middle school for a little while. And I mean, maybe not so much middle school, because like my daughter's not getting a phone to high school, but it's like you don't have an escape. And I think a lot of kids really struggle with that. Next topic. 
So, John, Carlos Correa is the most recent baseball player to ink a huge long-term high-value contract at 13 years, $350 million. This comes after, as we previously mentioned on this podcast, Aaron Judge and Xander Bogarts also signing large deals. Now, according to BaseballReference.com, last season was the largest baseball payroll ever at over $4 billion. Meanwhile, attendance is down, last year having the lowest total since 1997, by which they immediately added two more teams after that following year. So, John, do we feel that the baseball financial model is sustainable? I don't know. I think that baseball's popularity and just in general the post-covid professional sports popularity is a real wild card for baseball rosters to be able to be so big and for people to be able to be paid so much they have to make a lot of money and like you said maybe last week not everybody is boston with nesson not everybody is the yankees with the yes network big market teams being able to pay 350 million to carlos correa or 460 million to aaron judge i mean that's kind of not very common right and i think there has to be a value add and if there's no value add for these things then maybe they'll stop i really like what we've been discussing and what a lot of major league baseball teams have been doing paying a lot of incentive-based contracts getting young players like julio rodriguez for long contracts with tons of incentives and tons of extras. But the free agent market is heating up. The fact that the Giants lost Aaron Judge and they had this hole for an outfielder who was a top-end outfielder, I think Correa going there makes a lot of sense. He's younger than Judge. I mean, going from the Twins market to the Giants market, I think will be interesting. The, The parks are very different. The pressure is very different. So we'll see if he can perform. The Giants had to make a big deal after not getting Judge, right? Oh, 100%. They had to make a big, you know, they had to get the second best player that existed, right? And they needed somebody who could put butts in seats, right? And I think Correa is a pretty exciting player when you think about it. Do you like Carlos Correa, Amy? Um, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you went to what, 40 games this season? Oh, no, I don't go to that many. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I used to, back in when we first started going to games, I used to go to quite a bit more but now with just coaching a lot not having quite as much time to be able to go not as much as i'd like to but isn't as alex correa the one the the baby one isn't it not the one with the with the baby reference no this is carlos correa he was a oh, twin. No. so speaking of the yankees the yankees have garrett cole he had he signed a nine-year 324 million dollar contract aaron judge as we all now know they also have John Carlos Stanton at thir- he signed a 13-year, $325 million deal. Now that was with the Yank uh, sorry, that was with the Marlins and then he got traded to the Yankees. I mean, can the Yankees real I mean, do the Yankees really have more money to spend on other players? I mean, they definitely do. And I think the Yankees are going to try to win the World Series this year. I think they are going to go and they're going to get everybody they can. It's actually a question but we're going to skip it since we're already talking about it. They're talking to Fernando Tatis. They're talking to Carlos Rodon. I mean, the Yankees are really 
going for it. Now that as now opposed to ju- the other years where they were just coasting. No, coming. but I mean, now <laughs> the judge is at the top of their crown. They can really draw in big name players. They can draw in guys that make a difference. They can draw in young kids. The interesting part about the Crea deal is the Crea deal was for 13 years. The judge deal is only for nine. And I yeah. mean, obviously you're not signing Aaron Judge for 13 years, but every big new deal is over 10. Teams want studs to be on their team for the rest of their career. They want to sell the shirts and they want to sell the jerseys and they want to sell the posters and they want Aaron Judge to be a Yankee and retire a Yankee. And there's something good to be said for that. I don't think other sports have that kind of career guy thing that baseball does. I mean, baseball is a really magical sport. I just saw a picture from an all-star game where everybody's just, you know, before Roger Maris passed, all these all-stars, Ken Griffey, Mark McGuire, they all just wanted to see him at the all-star game. I mean, because there is a respect for the sport that I don't know exists in other places. And you know, for, Baseball for... does have to do a lot with history, like you were saying, John, whereas a lot of the other sports don't. The history kind of gets lost, especially with the younger generation. But baseball, it tends to be something that sticks around. Baseball is, is America's pastime, right? So the history is definitely a part of the game. And while the game has changed over the years, you're absolutely right. It's probably out of all the major sports in, in the United States, it's it's the one where history is re- revered the most. Yes, for sure. For sure. 100%. And everybody who plays baseball professionally respects that. Everyone knew how big of a deal it was for Judge to pass Maris. And uh, Maris's son even knew. I mean, how many of those end games did he go to to be there for when it happened, right? He went to all of them because he knew all it was going to happen. You know what, Deal? This one kind of got reported very quietly. I believe this... They did sign this last summer, which might be another reason why I went, but it's gonna. it sounds like quite the deal. So the shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays, his name is Wander Franco, and he signed an 11-year, $182 million deal. In terms of Tampa money, that's a lot, but when you compare it to the other, especially a lot of shortstops, I mean, like we said, Xander, we got Correa, we also got Tatis Jr., like you mentioned, which I find it funny that they're talking to the Yankees about that. Because, you know, I, the Padres, they're, apparently their whole strategy is just to grab all the good shortstops in the league. Um, What's interesting with Xander Bogarts going there, and I think they have somebody else on their team that has a chance. Manny Machado. Of, yeah, Manny Machado playing a lot, right? So what? where does Tatis fit? I mean... Well, they're moving Tatis to outfield, I, I heard. The thing about Tatis, too, is he is very young, right? Only 23, already 195 home runs, 42 of them being in his last full season, right? I think Tatis is getting better. And that thing that I spoke of, right, that the Yankees are positioning themselves to be a place where people go to win World Series rings. So they have to put together. And, you know, it's the beginning of a sports movie, right? People have to want to win. And where do we go? If I'm a free agent and I want to make a lot of money and win World Series, is I go to the New York Yankees. Granted, they haven't won in a minute. I understand. <laughs> you know what? Uh, our, our friend Jeffum is going to love to hearing this. Robbie Cano. This is the la- next season will be the last year of that ginormous contract that he signed with the Mariners. <laughs> Man, I loved Robinson Cano when he was a Yankee. Well, he was a phenomenal Yankee player. Jesus Christ, he was so good. By the power of next topic. So, Mark, before it's over, I wanted to get one more World Cup question in. Um, Argentinian star Lionel Messi announced this week that he'll play his last World Cup game when Argentina takes on France in Sunday's final in Qatar. 
At 35, Messi led Argentina to a 3-0 win over Croatia in their semifinal game. And this will be Messi's 172nd cap. Guys, I had to look that up. A cap is an international game when he tries to bring his country its first World Cup title since... 1986. Uh, this is Messi's fifth World Cup, surpassing the previous record as well. And so, <laughs> with the World Cup, Mark, I'm learning about all of the big players on the teams. And my question for you is, who do you like for this year's World Cup title? This is such a storybook like finish, I think, to the World Cup. Because you're right, this is Messi's last World Cup. It's his, uh, amazingly, I believe his fifth World Cup. Yes, he has been in five full World Cups, and he, Holy I mean, death. scoring literally the game winner this past week, um, he is still participating and still really succeeding. But a lot of people, you know, talking about the GOATs, the greatest of all time, think that Messi should be considered the GOAT. However, he does not have a World Cup victory. Now, that could be compared to people like Pele, or I'm sorry, Pele, I believe, is, is the actual correct pronunciation of his, of his name. But Pele got, got, brought uh, two World Cups to Brazil, and oh gosh, he was so young when that first one came. I think he was 16. I could be wrong about that. Maybe he was 18, but he was very, very young, and a lot of people consider Pelé to be the greatest of all time. Now, Messi is just the more f recent figurehead or whatever like that, but... He's a LeBron James to Pelé's... Jordan. Jordan, yeah. Well, currently, he's probably more the Patrick Ewing to Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> because he hasn't won a World Cup. Oh, yeah. And... But this would be the cherry on top of his career, I believe, if he, if he were to actually... To, uh, to to win the World Cup. It'd be an phenomenal story. Brazil had five. I just looked it up for you. Pelé, I believe, only had two. Yeah, Pelé only had two. He was okay. not on the 1962 team or the 1994 team. Brazil getting knocked out, by the mm -hmm. way, is another big story. But their mm -hmm. opponent is France. France will be the first, or could potentially be the first repeat World Cup uh, winner in, I think, like 50 years or something like that. So that's another big story. It's the fact that we haven't had a repeat World Cup champion in so long. And there's a couple people on the France team that could also be considered the GOAT. Kylian Mbappé is incredible to watch. So it's it's a great story. Uh, this episode, we may get this episode out before the the start of the final because the final is on Sunday. And it's on, it's on before uh, NFL football too, which is kind of mm. funny. Uh, it should be a great match. Who do I think is going to win? I'm actually, ch I'm, I'm, I am cheering for Messi. I, I am cheering for Argentina mm. to win. I believe that this also has to do with the fact that my boss is from Argentina. Okay, so, okay. So as a right. little regency bias there, kind of regency bias there. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Amy, do you do you have any opinion on the World Cup? I might be one of the only people who has not turned on the World Cup. I don't care about the World Cup. I am not a soccer fan. Mm. I respect it as a sport. I do not watch it at all. That's fair. You so. know what? I don't either. And I definitely joined the American bandwagon of watching this year's World Cup. And I've been enjoying it. I thought it was really interesting how far Morocco got. I think that was a yes. cool story. I was just talking to a Egyptian friend of mine who explained to me how Morocco got lucky and was really kind of a bad team, and they just were in kind of the right place at the right time. 
France being the first good team they played beat them pretty handily, really. But to eat, still to make it to the semifinals is uh, is amazing, really. I thought the story yeah. of them beating their colonial oppressors would have been really excellent. Absolutely, oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah. If you only knew the power of the next topic. So recently, Alex Ovechkin got a hat trick against the Chicago Blackhawks, of which the last was his 800th career goal, becoming only the third hockey player ever to score that many goals in the NHL, joining Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky. He also recently trademarked the term the Great Chase as he pursues surpassing the Great Ones record of 894 career NHL goals. Now, according to ESPN, Ovechkin has, at his current pace, would match Gretzky's total sometime two seasons from now in the 2024-25 season. So, John, can Alex Ovechkin reach Gretzky's career goals, in your opinion? And will we ever see another 800-goal scorer in our history, you think? I love Alex Ovechkin. I like his attitude. I like his angry Russian guy. I think the video uh, after they beat Las Vegas in the Stanley Cup Finals, where he's carrying the Stanley Cup around Vegas, drinking out of it, falling asleep in fountains with it, is just so funny. And honestly, because I don't really care all that much about hockey, really good for hockey, you know? Will he pass Gretzky? Well, he's only 37. He's a big guy. And I don't know what position he plays. Is he a defenseman? No. He's a right winger, I think. I don't think that a lot of people are going to put Ovechkin in the boards because that's his job. He's a large man. So... I think he could. I like the idea of guy who's 6'3", 236, you know, also with a really nasty shot. I think the Caps are great. Caps have been a good team for a long time. So, yeah. We've been talked on, we've talked on this podcast about how good players are made better by good teams. I think hockey's a real team sport. Oh, absolutely. And when he can be in position to get easy goals, uh, I think that's really important. So, and the fact I believe he scored 40 goals the last three seasons, which is still pretty amazing considering he, he is getting up there. Now, Yammer Yager, I believe, played until he was like 45, 46. Yeah, mid-40s. He, he, he was up there. He's still playing in some uh, European league, I think. Yeah, I, I don't believe that. I mean, he's, he's, got that, he's just got it in his blood to just play hockey all the time. I was going to mention for Ovechkin, if you – couple things one scoring is trending upwards in the nhl for the first time in a long time so it's very possible even if he kind of rolls off of his peak years he might kind of level off with the scoring increase in general second if you actually plot out ovechkin's adjusted goals over his career and map it to the average goal scoring in gretzky's career I think he'd have like 1,600 points by now. It's something, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and, I think... Now, Gretzky played an error when pads were a little smaller too. I'm sorry, larger. They recently, the NHL, I believe, a few years ago, they said that the pads had to go be a little smaller, which is one of the reasons I th- why yeah. scoring is up. That was in, yeah, they've done that a couple times. And mm-hmm. um, not only did they have no pads back in Gretzky's era, but when Gretzky started, the butterfly technique wasn't invented yet. It's true. 
So uh, goalies, when they saw a player coming at them, would fall to the ground and hope to God that they would save it. Pete, I'd like you to explain to our me and the less knowledgeable um, listeners what the butterfly technique is. So the butterfly is just how a goalie... Is, it's like a goalie's basic stance, right? So they are trained to get into a position that takes up absolutely the most surface area of that goal at all times. Uh, you can't see me, but basically <laughs> glove out arm out with a blocker, stick totally diagonally going across. And the pads, you basically uh, are pointing your feet outwards so that you get close to each post so that you can very quickly uh, kick to that post if you need to. And the other thing about that position is you're kind of in a squat position, so it's really hard to maintain, but you can... It's harder than a squat because your feet and your legs are turned like the wrong way. Right. It's like a partial (laughs) squat. So you can instantly drop down and fold your pads in and cover 100% of the bottom of the net that way. So that's the butterfly technique. So I got a really important question, you guys. Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin? I think Ovechkin. Sidney Crosby gets hurt so much. (laughs) Five years ago, I would have said Crosby probably, but... Now Ovechkin. Just an inter- I'm just looking up stats because I'm trying to learn about hockey on the fly. <laughs> um, Crosby has a much better record um, yes. against Ovechkin than Ovechkin does. Um, yes, he does. Way and over I've... 500, way more points, well, way Cros- more assists. I mean, Crosby's way a more points per game. So, like, he Crosby's much closer to like the quarterback of his team than Ovechkin is. Ovechkin is is a goal scorer, like pure, pure and simple. Um, Crosby, when he was younger, had a lot of comparisons to Mario Lemieux, another great Pittsburgh Penguin. Crosby's had a lot better teams than Ovechkin's had as well. That is true. true. Yep. The Caps have just really started to be very great. To get Crosby, the Penguins had to bottom out, I think, four or five years in a row, and they got number one overall picks in the league like four times. That's why they were so good for so long. Well, what's interesting about Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin is they were the number one picks in the drafts 2004 and 2005, respectively. Capitals won in 2018. It was two yes, years before COVID. That was when Ovechkin was found like dr- drinking in public fountains and like literally the, the most amazing thing it was amazing it was angry amazing. an angry russian carrying the stanley cup through las vegas after i would have I remember- loved to watch a documentary with alex ovechkin in the stanley cup and i don't after that aired they probably no one would ever want to touch the stanley cup ever again i, I want him know. to be friends with it <laughs> i remember us asking you stanley like, cup. like one of those yeah. 80s sitcoms it like is a- good buddy stanley and i are going places <laughs> I think we asked each other like late in the summer, like, hey, is Alex Ovechkin still partying after that win? <laughs> yes. And I want him to be, right? <laughs> I want he him to be. He has too. his own vodka. He's pouring it into the top of the Stanley Cup, like Amazing. having a great old time. Like, I can envision that. That's a movie I'd watch. For sure. Even after he retires, he's probably still going to be, hey, remember when I won the Cup in 2018? <laughs> uh, yeah. Goza the Gozarian, good evening. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease any and all super, supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or the nearest convenient next topic. So on Monday, Disney announced that their new animated film, Strange World, which is a sci-fi action adventure, 
will be available on Disney Plus just a month after its theatrical release. Strange World has struggled to make much of a splash in the box office, but had a strikingly small amount of marketing behind it, and currently is set to lose Disney about $100 million. There's another brand new feature with a great cast essentially going straight to streaming. This follows great hits like Turning Red and Onward that have also gone straight to Disney Plus. Mark, has Disney forgotten how to release a hit animated movie? See, I, I find it funny that you mentioned that they had a small marketing campaign because I feel like I saw it a lot. Now, watching some sporting events, there, there, it seemed to actually happen to pop up during a lot of those. So maybe that's why you didn't see it because uh, I definitely watched a hell of a lot more sports than you do. <laughs> you tell by all my pop culture questions. Yes. There, there definitely have been other movies that have not done as well. Strange World... Do you, do you know what do you know what Strange World was about? Uh, Strange World. First off, the cast on Strange World. And I'll just let you know: Jake Gyllenhaal, Gabrielle Union, Lucy Liu, Alan Tudyk, Dennis Quaid. I mean, all these big, 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 big Hollywood names. And Strange World itself is about a family of explorers whose differences threaten them in guess a strange world. And so it has, and I think that's the thing that Disney's trying to do, which I really applaud, is just really go after differences. So there are openly gay characters in it. They are just talking about family in a way that I think resonates with folks. I don't know if that's the problem that they're having with it currently. It looks really good. I'm really excited to watch it on streaming, but I'm not even really just talking about Strange World. When Pixar released Turning Red direct to um, Disney+, Plus, I was really surprised. I don't know if their relationship with Pixar is strained. I don't know if they didn't think that if they didn't release a Marvel movie, they wouldn't get any people, but... For a company that built its movie career on all the things we know, Snow White and Little Mermaid, all animated movies, right? Well, I don't know why they don't want to release one to the theaters and really put their weight behind it. In Disney's defense, I think that uh, with COVID, it's changed a lot of the way that a lot of big companies or even big uh, producers will release movies nowadays. So didn't Turning Red come out? just around when kind of COVID was starting to settle down a little bit, but a lot of people don't want to go to movies anymore. So, yeah. yeah, and we've talked about that too. We're at a turning point in cinema, and I think that it's important to understand that. And it's happened with all the big industries. I mean, when Pete, Mark, and I were in college, they had to figure it out in the music industry. And I think they, over the last 10 years, they've had to figure it out in the video game industry. And I think right now they're at a place in the movie industry where they have to figure out what's next. I don't think they've forgotten. I mean, you still they, they still do a pretty good job, like, like you said, with Marvel. And then you also have Star Wars. Maybe they had a, a whole regime change. But again, with... right, that's what I'm saying. They know how to promote a movie, and they promote the movies they want to promote, and they don't promote their animated features anymore. Yeah, I'll I guess I'm I... wondering why. I haven't really heard much of anything about this movie. It looks really cool. And maybe they thought that it wasn't just, it wasn't worth it. They they kind of knew it was going to be a flop. So they felt like they, why put all this money towards marketing something that's really not that good? I mean, why get probably six B-list actors? Because someone, someone get a really good pitch one day. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is just really wanting to be Mysterio again. And they're like, well, you can't be Mysterio, but maybe. Yeah. Where is that next topic? I can smell it. I just can't see it. So now we have our first repeat segment. Back by popular demand, here are 
10 quick shots to John's balls. Yes. I have 10 quick fire questions that John will give his first impression without really thinking about it too long. Are you ready, John? Maybe. I'm scared. You should be. <laughs> Some of these are very personal. <laughs> so, John, who is a potential dark horse in the NFL playoff picture? I don't know if the Bengals are dark horse because they were there before, but their slow start, I think, makes them a dark horse. They definitely have a lot of momentum on their side. I like the Bengals a lot this season. I like them more than I liked them last season. I liked them last season, too. You know who my potential dark horse is? Is the Lions. Yeah? I like they, that a lot. I like the St. Brown brothers. They're really fun to watch, and they mm -hmm. have cool names. They do. All right. Does Saquon Barkley have anything left in the tank? He does not. I think the Giants are going to lose out, and that makes me sad, but that's okay because they showed that they maybe have some light in the end of the tunnel. I just, there's a lot better teams in football this year, and they're not going to get past the Eagles. There's they no were way. definitely overachieving for the first half of the season. For sure, for sure. And I knew they were. I think they're coached well, though. I, I think if they can get the right personnel in there, I think they can. They need more there. receivers. They, they, yeah, um, they need more of everything right now. need more of everything. Their defense is okay. It's, it's really on the offensive side. Xavier yeah. McKinney is not. I like Xavier McKinney a lot, actually. And I think that um, Darius Slayton looks really good again. I think that getting Tony out of the picture helped a little bit as far as options for poor, confused Daniel Jones. I think they probably need an actual number one. Um, I don't know if I would want Odell back. I don't think... No, you don't I, want honest, Odell back. Honestly, I don't think Odell is... I think Odell is more injured than he's letting on. And I if think he, he wants to sneak on a team. And if, the Cowboys yeah. called him on it. Mm -hmm. The Cowboys said, you're more injured than you're letting on. We're not going to sign you. That's why... Uh, who did the Cowboys sign? T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton. Yep, and the Bills signed Cole Beasley. That's kind of a telltale sign. Like, Beckham's... If he's going to play this year, it won't be until deep into the playoffs, if at all. Well, I don't even think it's that. I think... I heard that he also wants like a long-term deal and yeah. no one's going to, no one's going to really do that. At least not he's this always, season. He's right? always been a front office mess and a backfield yeah. mess. He's always that, been a pain in the ass. That's why the Giants dropped him the yeah. first time. That, that'll that be next. That'll be during the off season. It's not going to happen. That's now. why they gave him up for a hot dog and a smile. All right, John. So why do you feel that other sports shows and podcasts, not really including this one, talk about the lowly Los Angeles Lakers? It's cool to talk about the Lakers. The Lakers have been the center of the NBA for a really long time. I think LeBron is cool. Um, I think before that, Kobe was cool. It was. I just watched the Showtime show on HBO Max, which you should watch, by the way. Showtime is about the, the Lakers' start and how they were run in the first season and how they were run by a, you know a Vegas playboy who just wanted to be cool, right? He just wanted to have a cool toy. And how they won almost won, right? And they almost won, and then they won in their second season. And this was the beginning of the Magic Johnson era. Um, they've always been the Showtime Lakers. I think that there are a lot better teams in the NBA this year. I think there's probably a lot better teams in the NBA last year. So Pretty I much think... all of them. <laughs> right, right, right. I had, we had a topic about how currently the Lakers are probably better without LeBron, which is interesting. They, LeBron got hurt caught, like last month, and they won all the games he was hurt for. Yeah, well, Anthony Davis was like, maybe I should start playing now. <laughs> Anthony Davis was like, maybe I should start playing. <laughs> I think this is a thing that we mention. I think this is a thing that's apparent in a lot of sports. Um, superstar players take a lot of the light, whether it's the money or the ball, and I think that it might be time for LeBron to hang it up. Ooh, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. Hey.
What TV show is next on your watch list? I'm watching so much stuff. I'm watching so much stuff because I work a lot of overtime and I'm always having something on when I watch. I think that the next thing that I am watching, actually, you know what? I'm watching Cobra Kai because I didn't get to it. So that is what I'm watching currently. Guys, if you haven't watched Cobra Kai, watch it. It's so, so, so fun and so stupid. <laughs> In the last episode of the second season of Cobra Kai, there was a full-on high school karate brawl. Yes. The wife of uh, Daniel LaRusso, Ralph Macchio, is always like, I don't like these karate arguments. Everybody who isn't the main characters talk about it like it's insane because it is, and it just makes the show so fun. The small sliver of days that I've had a Netflix account, I've watched Cobra Kai. My Dark Horse recommendation for shows actually is The Peripheral on Amazon Prime. Everybody who doesn't watch it, they should watch it. It's great. Westworld. It's Westworld, but not confusing. Mm. Amy, yeah. what about you? What's the next on your watch list? I What's the Only Murderers in the Building or something? Oh, I yes. I love that show. That's Steve actually, Martin and Martin Short, yes. I've heard a lot of good things about it, and I'm um, I'm actually taking a trip to Ohio over the Christmas break that I have, So, and that's a nice short episodes to download and watch while I'm at the airport and on the plane. And yep. So I'm planning on that. I'm actually currently watching White Lotus, season two of White Lotus. Oh, I've heard mixed reviews about White Lotus. It's really good. But it's I really liked awesome. White Lotus season one. I feel like I like season two. It's set in Italy, but you I haven't will. watched it yet. John, I just watched it. season one probably last week, and I just started watching season two, but I've been binging it, and I'm almost done with it. And it's uh, it's the same as season one, just as good. No, not me. I'm really concerned about the life of HBO Max. I think of all the streaming services, um, HBO Max and Apple TV probably have the best build quality. I think they put out the best shows. And, best um, writing, for sure. They definitely have the best writing. They definitely have high, the highest budgets. I mean, just the best overall, right? And with the idea that Discovery wants to nerf scripted shows in HBO Max, it just makes me really concerned. We'll see. I don't think they're going to go full nuke I mean, it's what they want to do yeah the discovery ceo has said on the record that he does not believe in scripted tv it makes less money and it costs more it costs a lot of money so for those that don't know john is a yankees fan i am a red sox fan we also have a friend that's a mets fan and we try to go to everyone's home team every at least once a year uh we've yet to go through all three in one year so john we've gotten to a bunch of seasons how many baseball games are we going to go to next year Seven. I'm going to get that in writing. <laughs> no, let's try to do three. Um, the only problem is our friend, um, he just had a baby, so congratulations to our friend. But, congratulations. So we, we might not get him, but let's do our best. Without season tickets, the Yankees are very expensive. Um, I think baseball in general is very expensive. But now that we're far enough out from COVID, let's start it up. We should. I disagree. Baseball is not that expensive. It's just only expensive if you want to sit behind home plate down on the field. I mean, I want to sit where there's oxygen, Amy. I mean, there's oxygen up in the good seat where you can see everything. I like your Ooh. seats a lot, but your seats aren't in right field in rows double Z. No, but I sit behind home plate, center, uh, center of the actual section, but upper deck, and our tickets are $30 on average. I'm still worried that the ghost of Mickey Mantle will kill me as soon as I walk into Yankee Stadium. Well, that's just because you so have you Red will. Sox blood. Nobody wants that juju in Ooh. Yankee Stadium. Gross. <laughs> we did try to bury David Ortiz's jersey in the foundation, right? I remember. It's okay, though, Amy. The Red Sox are really terrible, like really? a lot. Yeah. They're, and and the, when they lost Xander, they're like, oh, maybe we should start like looking for people to play on our team. Nah, I think you could be on the Red Sox next season, Mark. 
You just need hey. a new manager. I'll, I'll sign a 10-year, $300 million deal right now. <laughs> Worst decision Boston Red Sox ever did was getting rid of Terry Francona. I agree, by the way. Terry Francona was really good for the Red Amazing Sox. Amazing manager. That I like cool. Alex Cora. I'm not, a big, I'm not a big fan of the current GM, though. Not a fan of Alex Cora at all for all reasons, athletic and non-athletic. All right, next question. What, what is the best Christmas present you ever got? Best Christmas present I ever got. I have gotten a lot of cool stuff. I think that the first year that Melanie, uh, who's my wife, got me uh, my first, uh, well, my second Xbox, my Xbox 360 when I didn't expect it. That was a pretty good Christmas present. Amy um, Pete? I'm going to sound like a really old person and just because it's recent and I remember it, but last year I got the Roomba. And if you don't have a Roomba in your uh-huh. house, that is worth every single penny, let me tell you. All right. Dude, I love my robots. Oh, it's just amazing. I don't have a vacuum robot yet, but everything. They're all listening to us, though. They definitely are, by the (laughs) way. It's totally worth it. I named mine Wally, by the way, as it should be named. (laughs) Another another Disney reference. That is a good call, man. No, Wally. My parents just got one. They named it Rosie from the Jetsons. That's a good name. That's a good name. That's a good name, too. I just bought a, uh, well, I just. I, I, I leased uh, a new electric vehicle. It's a Hyundai Kona. Ooh, nice. And I don't really name my cars, but I'm actually going to name her Evelyn. Nice. Good. Good. Or short as car. Evie. Evie. I, I like it. it. I like it. Evie, electric vehicle. Exactly. What there. Exactly. What is the best Christmas present you ever gave? Ooh. Guys, I've talked about how old I am and how shitty my memory is. I do not remember. Amy I... Pete? I gave Steph a plasma TV when I, I That's really, a pretty good present. When I really couldn't yourself. afford it. But it, that's a gift for yourself too. No, yeah. It was when we had separate bedrooms. It's her TV. Uh this is way back. This is before we were Oh, even this engaged. is before you were married. Yeah. This is before that. we were engaged. I remember that TV. I thought we were on like an episode. Is that why she decided so, to marry you? No. Well, I could tell. I'm gonna get like... Mel. I am gonna get Melanie a present this year that I think is very good. Uh, unfortunately, she's gonna. Well, fortunately, she's gonna listen to the podcast, so I'm not gonna be able to tell you. Just tell her not to listen. No, she's yeah. gonna listen. I want her to listen. We need. We need the numbers, Mark. <laughs> need the numbers. What about you, Amy? I don't know. I the problem problem with answering a question like that is it really just it's situational for me. Like if I really enjoyed giving a present to someone, it was cause it was like the perfect thing that I knew was just so good for that person. And I don't know. I can't think of one in particular that stands out. Oh, just a, how about a good one? Doesn't need to be expensive or anything. It just needs to be like, Oh no. John Pete's are doing, Pete's are doing our job right now. I told him last week how proud I was of him, of his participation. (laughs) So he's just got to keep it up, man. I like it. That's I right. haven't bought any plasma TV. I um got my parents no, last year the Facebook portal, and the Facebook portal is Facebook's delve into smart home things. But do they use it? It was lit- It's literally a Facebook device that sits on top of your television that puts your Facebook Messenger calls on your TV. It has a smart camera and a good speaker, and they use it all the time. If you have an old person in your life, buy them a Facebook portal. I think they'd like it. Unless they're afraid of robots. My parents really like robots. John, what present did you ask Santa to get you this year? I want a I want a lot of things. I want a sixteen inch Amazon um Echo. They have a big one now. I have Ooh. ten I have two ten inch ones. I need a sixteen inch one now because bigger is definitely better. That's so I hear. 
That's what she said. <laughs> Amy P. <laughs> I'd really like a new chair. This this one is, of course, you can't see it, but it's. I've had this since college. It's kind of dying. It's I'm sunk way too low. It's just like in the chair. Pete, do that again. He's doing the butterfly stance in the chair. That's right. Full circle. Yeah, I was a good goalie. Call back. Because of my lankiness. All right. Uh, how about what was the last movie that really surprised you on either how good or how bad it was? Before you answer, I'm going to tell you mine. We recently rented Bullet Train with Brad Pitt or, or Bradley Pitt. We talked about Bullet Train last week, and honestly, so I agree with you. Bullet Train was probably the most surprising movie of 2022. It was so entertaining. Yep. Amy, Pete, either about how, how good or how bad it was. Like maybe it, it it's something that had you had so much expectation for, and it was just an awful letdown. Mm. Or something that you had zero expectations, and it just blew your socks off. This is like going Bullet way. Train. Okay, this is going way back, but uh, there was a movie around 2000 maybe 2001 called in the bedroom (laughs) tell us more pete swear to god no okay the trailer made it look like title of your sex tape yeah i mean mark porn is movie so porn is movie this is is not a porn and oh and we don't know if whether or not it it surprised him or disappointed him yet it surprised me because i thought I expected to see it and be disappointed. And when I saw it, there is a twist within the first half hour that I was like, holy shit. And the movie is actually one of my favorite movies. Was Ryan Reynolds pooping in it? No. That would be a hell of a twist. (laughs) It would be a hell of a twist. That was before Van Wilder made it big too. So you never know. Maybe he was just looking for acting gigs. So I thought it would be like this kind of love struck comedy or not a comedy. Love struck? Like a love story kind of thing. Not um no no pooping turned into like kind of a half like drama thriller like really intense it's it's really good you know what else was surprising this year um everything everywhere all at once which is maybe the best Mm. multiverse movie that came out this year i need to see that recent one for me but in a couple of years ago the bohemian rhapsody was one that surprised me i don't tend to usually like movies about following groups or singers or anything like that but i really enjoyed that movie rami malik was so good in that and and i i i did love that they mentioned how he had hiv but they didn't really make the movie about it yeah they they easily could have done that i think the movie i want to see the most that i haven't seen yet is emily the criminal with aubrey plaza i've been counting down to avatar so and i'm going this sunday so i'm super excited about that um, I'm trying to con Jamie into going, but she's like, I didn't even finish the first one. It's three hours and she's 10. Yeah, and this second one's three hours and 10 minutes also. Ay, Dios mio. I heard it's a quick three hours and 10 minutes, though. A quick three hours and 10 minutes, you say. That's what she said, see? Oh, <laughs> Amy, you win. That All was right. great. And the last quick shot to John's balls. John, what sport should we talk about next episode that we haven't discussed yet? We're doing really good now. We talked about tennis now. We talked about hockey. We brought up soccer again. I think maybe we have to talk about some weird sports. You need to talk about the up and rising pickleball. I was was literally just going to say pickleball. Pickleball. Just finished my unit in class. I was actually about to ask you that because that's how I learned pickleball was in gym class. Yeah. 
And there's actually some controversy as to the story of where pickleball got its name because the original story that I was told, but if you Google it, it's a little different um, apparently now. Oh, please teach us, Ms. Warren. What'd you say? I said, please teach us, Ms. Warren. Well, you know, when I first looked up how pickleball got its name, it was about this whole story about a family that was trying to come up with a backyard game that they could play. And uh, of course, being a dog lover myself, they had their dog that kept trying to go back and forth and steal the ball. And the dog's name was Pickle. So they named it Pickleball. So if you Google it, you'll actually see that story. But there's also a conflicting story that some people will say is another reason as to why Pickleball got its name and it's not as much fun. So, but I, I stick with the dog story because it's better and cooler. I like that better. Early reviews of Avatar 2 seem good. 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, 94% audience. Very exciting. All right. So if any of our listeners know the real story behind why Pickleball is called what it is, we'd love to hear that. Yes, you can add us for that. You can add us for whatever you'd want. I, That's a good I one, though. And it's funny how we are all thinking about pickleball. This is actually a really good opportunity, Mark, to mention the Discord on air. Um, we have a If These Balls Could Talk Discord. If you guys want to suggest questions, if you want to talk to me, Mark or Pete, if you want to just have some friends, um, we are always looking to meet new people. So join up. There's a link on the website. Yeah, that's great. If you don't have any friends, John and I will be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> But only if you add us on Discord. And five-star review us. Of course. <laughs> Next topic. Yum. To finish us up, Mark, yesterday, uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky uh, told the head of the International Olympic Committee that his country opposes Russian athletes taking part in the 2024 Summer Games in Paris. Uh, Zelensky noted that 184 Ukrainian athletes have died in the war that has now spanned the entirety of 2022. Zelensky also stated that Ukraine was disappointed by the IOC's intention to allow Russian and Belarusian athletes to compete under a neutral flag as they did in 2020 uh, because of the cheating scandal with uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And so, Mark, another hard-hitting question for you from your best friend, John. What is your feelings on this? And do you agree that Russian participation in a historically peaceful event is inappropriate? One thing that I have been very disappointed with in the United Nations and with other major countries is no one has taken a firm stance with Russia. Russia is a very large part of the global economy and no one wants to take that first shot and say what they're doing, or or, I'm sorry, they've said that what they're doing is wrong, but no one has really done anything about it. Now, sure, the United States has supplied some weapons as, as and other countries have supplied weapons to Ukraine. And you can say that other countries have supplied weapons to Russia, but no one has actually gone in with their own money, their own military, their own weapons and done something about it. This has a lot to do with the IOC. Because again, no one wants to take that stance. And the IOC, we could talk a lot about the IOC and how corrupt that is. The <laughs> fact that they've gotten so much money, like the essentially the city that gets awarded the Olympics now is the one that just gives the IOC the most money. Yes, for sure. Is it is it now was it fair for the Russian athletes to 
go into in this most recent Olympics and and but under like a neutral country or flag or whatever you want to call it. Uh, in a lot of respects, I mean, were are those athletes are just pawns in in some respects? Maybe they, they weren't really part of the whole scandal about the doping and the performance enhancing drugs. So is it really is it really fair to punish them for not being a part of it? It, it, this is this is obviously a very complicated topic. However, my opinion on this, you don't allow them. The country is is doing something wrong. There is there is money involved with the Olympics that goes back towards some of the countries. I'm, I'm sorry, the leader of your country is doing something he's not supposed to, and the whole country should be punished. And I'm sorry for those innocent Russians that are. Be, are there because of it how but you know i that's that's just my opinion i don't I know mean, actions deserve consequences and yeah. i think that in a place like the olympics you can't have russians who are competing under the flag and really under, i guess you know not under the leadership of putin but not not under the leadership of putin um competing with ukrainian athletes and even if they're under a nondescript flag everybody still knows who they are absolutely that was the thing that was the most confusing about the doping scandal everybody still knew who they were and what programs they were under they still got their medals so they still got their money and um is it fair for the athletes of course not but is it fair for the ukrainian athletes that that died in this war Definitely not, obviously, right? I think the world is in a really rough spot. I am not sure Putin is very healthy. I think that when you have a narcissistic megalomaniac who used to be part of the KGB who might be dying, if he has made up his mind that this is what he's doing, there is a lot, you know, there's a lot of misinformation in the United States, but the misinformation in the United, in the rest of the world, in places like Russia, are pushed by the federal government. There's stats about the distribution of wealth in Russia that's just, they're mind-blowing stats. And so we talk about how the world should stand up to Russia, but also the U.S. is fighting this remote war with Russia right now because they don't want to start a nuclear holocaust. Very true. Yeah. Pete? I, I tend to agree. I think it sucks for the athletes, but you can't, you can't let this country go in. Even under like some neutral flag that's you know it's just sorry you're the aggressor here and needs to be punished like it's it's very unolympian so i i don't think they should be represented i definitely don't think that they should be able to participate and i think that it is a sign to the world stage that we don't accept russia currently and really i mean what putin is doing what this war is doing to the russian economy i don't think russia survives I don't think Russia recovers for many decades. I think this is one of those events in the history of the world that will be remembered forever. I, and I don't know how Russia has enough money to still pay for the war. I don't know how they they have people still, Russians actually still fighting the war. Like at this point, it, here it is, it's, it's 10 months now since they, they invaded the Ukraine. And now, there's the the certain media that are, the state-run media that are only showing the certain news or whatever like that but at a certain point you have to, you're a human being you have to kind of realize what's going on i don't know well, there were many there were many 
Russian um, high-level military officers who got to Ukraine, who didn't see Nazis, who didn't see anything that they were told was happening, and they gave themselves up. They apologized. There was one who went on Ukrainian television and says, we were told different things. We are sorry. For every Biden, there's a Trump, right? And so I, I'm sure it's the same in um, other countries where people are too caught up in their nationalism to believe things that are obvious, things that are the truth. I just read, looked up a stat. Um, the Ukraine is claiming that as of July, 14 Russian generals have been killed during the invasion. I mean, you think about that. 14 career military soldiers, the amount of just sheer finance that goes into the training of those men. I mean, they've lost boats and planes. I mean, Russia is atrophying money right now. But and yet the war is still going on. Well, because Country, too many countries are still buying their oil. That's the problem. That That's their biggest export. It's their biggest source of funding globally. And it will not stop until the world moves on from oil. And it's also basically. probably the reason they're invading the Ukraine. Because of the oil in the Black Sea. Uh, they, well, they, it's, it's weird personal reasons of thinking that it should be unified territory like well and didn't he state towards the beginning that he wanted to be the next alexander the great yeah he he wants to reunite the ussr basically which is sorry that was a long time ago you know it's the death knells of a crazy evil man so that has been our 10 topics please follow or like us on our socials at if these balls pod on twitter and instagram and you can also find us on facebook our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com, where you can find out more about us. Now, today marks the end of our holiday contest, and we would like to announce our winner, who will receive a $50 Amazon gift card. Thanks to everyone who rated us and interacted with us on the socials. Our winner is Katie Fox. Yay, Katie! We will be in touch with you soon. We would like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you very much, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for staying up past your bedtime. Yeah, we, we oh my gosh, it. the alarm's going to go off in less than five hours. This is uh, not looking good. Adios, Mio. Sorry. Thank you to everyone for listening. Now, our next episode will come out on January 8th as we take a break for the holidays. This is Mark Pesci and for my partner, John Campagna, and producer, Pete Steffen. That's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. If these balls could talk, they would walk along the bases and into the fields. If these balls could talk, with Mark and John.